Well, good morning, everyone. You made it <laughs> through the rain, through the storm. Uh, so glad that you are here. My name is Helen Kim Nowak. I am pastor of Community Life here at the church. Pastor Rich, today is a very special day. He is over at New Life East installing Pastor Andre Gray as our new congregational pastor. So Pastor Dre will be leading New Life East from here forward, and so we're really excited for him. Uh, what a big day. And there's a whole new season ahead for New Life East. So let's continue to keep this congregation in prayers. Amen? All right. Well, I want to start by sharing a story uh, from my childhood, which is that one day I was looking through some photos, and my mom was showing me some old pics of her and my dad in Korea. And for all I have known from my childhood up to that point, I have only seen my dad in suits, and he seems to prefer that over all other wears, a dress slacks, dress pants, a tie on Sundays, often for work, also a tie. But in this photo, there was evidence that this was not all there once was. <laughs> because he was wearing these baggy jeans. I have never seen my dad to this day wear jeans. Khakis, yes. The jeans, no. And his hair was permed. And I was like, who is this guy? You know, he, and I was like, wow. And so it, at that moment, just looking at that photo, it just opened my eyes to a bit more of my dad. You know, because I knew him a certain way at a certain point, but this brought out a whole other side of his personality, who it was, you know, and just a little bit more fun that I got to see of him. And photos can do that. They can bring us back to a point where we go, oh, right, there is more. It gives us a photo into a moment that makes it a bit broader than maybe what we see today. And I share that because today, as a church, we are gathered. And we gather week in, week out. Maybe during the week, you're going to small group. Week in, week out. During the day, taking some time for your devotionals, day by day week in, week out. And after a while, sometimes that rhythm, because it's for our whole lives as we follow Jesus, we begin to lose some focus and go, what is this all about? Why do we do church? Why do we show up on Sundays? And so I believe this passage that many of us will be familiar with from Acts 2 is really like a family photo. Do you have those? <laughs> like, ooh, I remember this moment. But this is a great family photo because it reminds us of the very first, the very beginning of the early church. And it's all part of our whole, it's our shared family photo because as a Christ follower, this is the very beginning of our family. To set some context as we read this passage, I just want you to think about what the times were when this was going on. It was a Hellenistic Society that was deeply stratified, classes after class. The wealthy were up here, and 25 to 50 percent were slaves. Not chattel slavery like we know in America, but that was their job. It was how they made or survived in the society. That's a good portion of the place. And similar to New York, the wealthy owned a good deal of real estate that they didn't even live in. We have so many buildings in New York City owned but not lived in. And the wealthy, because shame and honor were really big, they would give gifts, but it was strategically given to clients who would most benefit them by receiving. 
So it would look really good on them. They would reflect well back on them if they gave a gift. So keeping all this in mind, let's read Acts 2, 42 to 47. This early church, they devoted themselves, as first Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is quite the family photo. (laughs) You know, in a context that was so divided. As people in that society were looking, can you imagine They must have been like, what is going on in this place? And so we look at this because we are in a three-part series, and today we're wrapping that up of our vision series. And two weeks ago, Pastor Rich kicked us off with reminding us, you know, why we gather. We're doing this series to remember what is it to be the church? Why do we gather? Why are we New Life Fellowship, a church in this particular part of the world? And so we started with our presence that Jesus has called us to be salt and light, to flavor the world, to bring light into the darkness. And we do that in a particular way. We have five core values that we wanna live into, and this is how we wanna flavor the world. And so it's monastic, a people marked by being with Jesus, that we show up because we have slowed down. We give out of having slowed down to be with Jesus. There's an encounter we first experience before we move out into the world. Emotional health, that we are people marked by interior examination. We're not just going, going, going at full speed, living on the surface, but we're processing what's happening inside so that the inside and outside have integrity. Multiracial, a people marked by reconciliation, where the person that would normally be considered so other can actually be called sister and brother. Not just in name, but in how we treat one another. Marriage to Christ, a people marked by sexual wholeness, where we address our sexuality, a place where single persons and marriages thrive. And mission, a people marked by lovingly engaging the world, living as sent people, recognizing that wherever each of us shows up, you are a living temple, and that is how people around you, right in that space, encounter Jesus. There are all these temples, all in the subway and different neighborhoods across the city, and people get to meet Jesus through you. And so this is how we want to flavor the world. We are called to be salt and light. And last week, Pastor Richard then talked about our two priorities, that we have a particular way we want to move out into the world that we feel called to in this particular season. And he shared from Nehemiah 3, that long list of names, you know, where so-and-so was next to so-and-so as they rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem that was in such disrepair. And much like the movie credits that we see go up at the end of a a great movie, every name matters. And there were people that were pausing their jobs, the perfume maker, the goldsmith, all at the wall doing their bit. And so we want to all together with each person at the helm to build a church with deeper missional commitment 
recognizing that you are where God meets the world, and to be a church that reaches and disciples the next generation, to really invest and pour into them. And to right now, the next gen is looking for 60 more, and that's our goal for this year, is to raise up 60 more volunteers from within our church community to pour into this next gen. And so we have our priorities, and we want to flavor that with those five core values. And today, we're going to look at our pathway. Well, how? How do we do this? That's a lot. (laughs) Those five core values alone is going to take the rest of our lives. So how do we grow into them? So we have three, what I want to call, dimensions of our pathway. Community, formation, and mission. And these are three key things that we can see in this passage right here. This very first church This early family photo reminds us that there's so much more than just coming to a building, going through songs, hearing a sermon, moving back out, you know, maybe going to a small group. There's so much more we're called to than just moving into those spaces. Community formation mission. And within these three, if you think of it dimensionally, they're really all needed so that we're not living a flat gospel, a two-dimensional gospel. And one of these, or maybe two of them, you'll probably feel more drawn to. Some of you love community, like where the people are is where I will be. And some of you are a little more like me. Please let there be a little less people. (laughs) I mean, I enjoy people, but you know, I am an introvert. Or some of you love learning and it's all about formation and stuff, but you can't have that on its own, right? But there's probably one of these spaces. Some of you love mission. Take me out there. I want to be, you know, for a cause. And maybe less about formation, less about community. So where do you find yourself? Which one are you immediately drawn to? Which one do you know you have a bit of a more hesitation? It's harder for you to be more intentional about moving forward. In looking at each of these, you know, they need each other. And they're not static where it's like, oh, if I grow in community, I can do it like this. Often when we grow in community, we grow in formation and we grow in mission and they're all intertwined. So we'll take a look at each of these. But if we have community and formation, but we don't have mission, it is often like stale water. So we have a social club, we know each other really well. You know, everyone is known by name and we're studying and we're growing in, in knowledge. But if it's not going anywhere, This gospel is not for ourselves. The learning we have, the relationships we have and are deepening is not for ourselves. And if it does not go anywhere, we are much like a stale body of water. Then we can have formation and mission. And if we have that, but we don't have community, it's kind of like a log in a fire that has rolled out. And what is that? It's like on mission, gotta go into the darkness, rolling off. But fizzling out because there is no community to keep that fire going to support and sometimes when there's a combination of formation missions like i'm doing the right thing look at me i am on a cause i am out where i'm supposed to be where the church is supposed to be and there can be kind of a looking down a sense of self-righteousness that oh they're just sitting in the church so we need all three and the third We can have community and mission, and I kind of think of it as a big, lovely bunch of helium balloons that we release into the air because 
when there's vibrant community, there's like a sense of activity and it looks exciting and it's very visible. And when you're on mission, even more so, right? There's activity and movement and giving that is happening, but without the substance of formation, there's no anchoring. And so it's like something beautiful and distracting, but it doesn't have direction per se, and there's no tether. There's no substance of weight to offer. And so all three of these that make up our pathway that we see in the church are all key dimensions to be a healthy church. So how do we live out the presence? How do we live out these priorities? It takes living into all these. So let's take a look at what it means to be in community in this passage. As we look at this beautiful family photo, I love this phrase by Tim Keller. He calls some the way of gospel humility, self-forgetfulness. So this community is characterized by the freedom, the joy that comes from self-forgetfulness. And we can easily swing into either self-hate, or it's like, oh, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, oh, I messed up again. Or we can go into the other pendulum swing where it's like self-love, like, oh, how can I fulfill myself? How can I be all, you know, and it's very internal, self-oriented. But in Christ, because we know that Jesus is the one who names us for who we are. As a Christian, we know that our identity is not from external things or our behavior or what we have achieved. It is purely and only what Christ has done. He, on his cross, because of his sacrifice, made you a son and daughter of the living God. He is the one that made it possible for you to be beloved before you did anything in your sin to be called beloved. And so we get the joy, the freedom of self-forgetfulness because it's not about what I make myself into. Christ has already done that, so I'm freed up to see the other. And so we get to see this, and this is really beautiful because at the time of this passage, the term person, we use that word all the time today, but it was really a legal word. It meant that a human being had a particular standing before the court. And if it meant that the law could be applied to you and used on your behalf. And so you could be judged by the law, you can be protected by the law, but not everybody was a person. The majority of the society were not persons. And yet in this passage, they're being persons, right? There's this mixture of wealthy and poor, Greek and Jew, male, female, and everyone's at the table and they're all seeing each other meeting each other's knees, worshiping together, and fellowshipping, and they're all persons. And it's Jesus that makes that possible. And so that's the community, that freedom of self-forgetfulness. So much so that the wealthy had tons of property and money, and they could be thinking, oh, I can make a foundation, or I can, you know, steward this. I have a great inheritance to give my kids. But instead, they see needs, and they're selling it off, giving to anyone who has needs. And so when you look at this passage, what you can really see is that there's an interaction of a new family. This is family life. You know, this was a place where when the rent couldn't be paid, when the bills couldn't be met, when a person lost their job, family stepped in because they knew they were always together, eating together, talking together, learning together, worshiping together. Family life, a whole different kind not just, you're my brother in Christ, but you're my brother. (laughs) Tell me what you need. You're my sister. Let me sit with you. What is it you need? 
you know? And this was a different kind of community, and this is what we're called into. And the third element of this community is that it wasn't static. They were welcoming new faces daily. When a community gets really just the same old faces, it's nice, we all know each other, but it's not, it's not a sign of health. A constant, like when there's health, there's growth, and growth means change. So a healthy community is one with new faces constantly coming in, adding to those who are at the table, and that is what we're invited into. To our, part of our pathway of how we live out our presence and priorities is that we help build this kind of a community. A subway car, Pastor Rich, you know, the last week he talked about, you know, people are crowded in there. You would think, you know, today there's no pandemic. <laughs> people are very comfortable sitting right there, and it's just like, oh, I remember these days. Um, but, you know, a subway car is often, we, we each get on it, and we're just thinking, oh gosh, I hope there's no delay. I have no idea what they just said on the train announcement, but hopefully it's not about me and my ride. And we get on the car, and there's tons of people there, but we're not thinking, oh, I hope this guy who's sitting there and this woman who's fallen asleep get to their destinations. We're just thinking, am I getting to my stop, and is anything going to get in the way? But a church community, the new family of Jesus, is not concerned about, like, am I getting where I need to go? But hey, are you getting where you need to go? Are you, do you know the one who loves you? And it is a very other-focused community. So question for you is, at the meals that you're around at New Life, who is at your table? Is it people who are very similar to you? whether it's in background, ethnicity, work, or are there very different people at your tables? And if it is the same, what will it take to bring in the person that might feel other, to practice into this new family of Jesus? Who has access to your wallet? your finances? Is it just your friends, your close ones, your family, maybe your small group, depending on who? <laughs> or is it anyone who has need? Formation. This aspect, when we look at this passage of scripture, it's just so clear. This is a vibrant community. If there was a heartbeat monitor on this community, what would it sound like? Like, do 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 It's like a thumping, loud heartbeat, rather than like, you know, a dying one's like, bleep, bleep, <laughs> you know? This is, a, when we read this passage, we have to know like, oh my gosh, there's so much life happening here, and why? Because this is a community radically encountering Jesus, because they are leaning in to teaching, they are leaning into worship, prayer, seeking to be with each other, learn more, be out in the community together. There is such an emphasis on formation because they know they have nothing to give unless they learn from the one who has given them what they have to give. And so there's a heavy leaning on formation. A few years back, you know, because I'm tall, something I'm asked a lot is, do you play basketball? <laughs> 
what about me tells you basketball. Uh, but I do like basketball in like just for fun, shooting hoops. But I do, and I do actually enjoy the sport. I don't ever want to play uh, competitively, and Lord knows I would never make it anyway. But one, one time, a few years back, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to know what, I don't get the rules. Like, how come this person's fouled out? How come, you know, how are they even knowing all these plays? So I decided to push myself out of my comfort zone. Remember, I'm an introvert. And <laughs> signed up for something called Never Too Late Basketball. Isn't that a beautiful name? It was so welcoming. I was just like, wow, it's never too late. Even I can go as an adult. So every week, I would go down to Brooklyn. You know, they meet in different places, but I would go down to Brooklyn, and I would learn basic drills, how to dribble. But there was a mixture of some more advanced people, so it was pushing us to go faster. So we would learn plays and defense, um, and things were just so awkward. Like shooting a ball, I just like to just throw it up. But it was like, oh, no, you have to keep it at a right angle, and then you have to do this. But it's like, oh, well, that's so confining. Like, I just, I need the, you know, the momentum to go, whew. <laughs> you know? It's like, no, no, that will actually hurt your arm in the long run. And it was just like learning these new ways to play a sport the right way because it would actually benefit and do well in the long run. And one of the moves for defense was to be a screen. And so we would learn different roles to play. And I thought that was the most awkwardest thing ever because to be a screen, I was taught to just stand like this. So in my part of the play, I had to just run to my position. And, and I was like, I just want to run. Why? Don't hit me. <laughs> Remember, this is just never too late basketball. We are kind. It's never too late. <laughs> you know? But it was just felt so awkward. But then as we played the drill over and over and practiced it, I understood. Oh, if I do my part and show up on time, I actually do block someone from taking a shot in a certain way. And I was like, this works. I feel really awkward, but it works. And it was a submission unto a whole different way of moving and being that helped me learn. Like, oh, I get basketball a whole lot better now. I can play better now. Don't ask me to play, guys. <laughs> but that is the way of Christian life. There are many things in our faith that as we enter in, it requires formation, and that is an uncomfortable growth. To be invited into the family of Jesus means you're also leaning in to formation, which means reading scripture, finding out what is the way of Jesus, and practicing the drills it will take, which will feel uncomfortable at first. Sacrifice, humility, you know, foot washing. What is this way of Jesus? You know, and at first, it will feel really uncomfortable and will require drill after drill, practice after practice, and until it starts clicking and makes sense. Saying, oh, I see why Jesus says this is the way. I see why this is more loving. And it feels so countercultural to what our world tells us, sells us, is constantly giving us messages about. But that's what it will require. To enter the pathway, the how, of how we want to live. You know, it's a beautiful vision. Let's be a deeply missional church. Let's invest and reach the next generation. But without formation, if we have not worked out and lived this out in our own lives, who Jesus is calling us to be and what his way is, we have so little to offer. 
And the price is so high if we don't do this as well. Because Jesus is life, amen? We have received that gift. We get to live, really live, and it's for the sake of the other. So formation requires something of us. So I have a question for you. How well do you know Holy Scripture, the Word of God? And even more, how much is this Scripture forming your life? Our world is full of people who have never read the Bible, never even heard pieces of it, don't even know what's in the Bible. When they see you and interact with you, can they read that scripture through you? Will they be able to read Jesus through your words, your actions, the ways you show up? Can you be a living scripture? That is the hard work of formation. And in New Life, we don't want to just be a veneer, you know, a piece of wood that looks really pretty, that could be stuck on some furniture. But if it chips, you really see what's underneath. And the inside is often just cheaper wood, nothing like the surface. At New Life, we have a logo of an iceberg because we want to go deep. We don't want to say, yeah, I want to love and just be all cheerful and joyful on the external. But we want to really name what is really happening inside. Why am I having a hard time loving somebody? Why am I having a hard time forgiving? And to go there with Jesus, because Jesus is not afraid to get into the mess. And so we want to go deep so that the inside and outside are the same, knowing that the gospel can meet us in the hardest places to really form us from inside out. Mission. This is a great one. Because without mission, it can't exist by itself. But without mission, community is stale. It's just a social club. And without mission, what's the point of formation? It's the same thing. There's no direction. But we are given for the sake of the world. And so mission is about, when we look at this passage, living by a new identity in a world where people were not persons in this context. But in our world too today, where value, who's a valuable person, is deemed by our education, our jobs, what's in our bank account, all these kinds of things, what neighborhood we live in. But the gospel says otherwise. Everyone in this room is a person because of Jesus. Everyone is at the table as a person because of Jesus and Jesus alone. And so it's living into a new way of treating and seeing each other. It's also living into a new reality characterized by a shared purse, which may be your finances, but it can also be your, you know, your skills, other resources that you have, and proximity to those in need. They were, all these wealthy people were in the room, not just the wealthy, but they were wealthy in the room, clearly, and they had property and possessions to sell. My question is, it says to give to anyone who had need, how did they know who had need? Proximity. Mission takes relational proximity. To be close enough to know, not because, you know, there's no internet portal that says so-and-so has a need in your church, but to be relationally close enough that they are sharing with you and you know what they're going through. Do we have that even within our church but do you have that with those outside the church? Relational proximity. Without mission, 
We are like that stale water. A dying body. As Pastor Rich said last Sunday, no part is too small when you're part of something big and community, formation, mission. Living into this pathway is big. You know, that mission is big, but it's exciting because it is full of life. There's no retirement here. (laughs) you, You have a role to play for the rest of your lives, and it takes all of us to get there. And so as we look at this passage, you know, I know as you're thinking like community, formation, mission, there are gaps, right? We see it everywhere. In every church, there's not perfect community. Perhaps you've been to a small group and it's been disappointing. Oh, they didn't care for me the way I wanted to be cared for. Or people don't notice me. I'm coming and going and this is my third month here or five years here and nobody knows me. There are gaps in our church in community, formation, and mission, for sure. And that's why it takes all of us. It is not a few people who can make it happen for everybody. Community takes each of us looking at who's nearby and getting proximate so that we really build real community. It takes diving into scripture together so that we're not just siloed in our thinking, but we can be rounded in our learning and really work it out together, to drill into it together. Basketball practice is way more fun with a lot of people, and so is working out the word. And so that's what it takes to be on mission. It takes all of us together, because one person is not a, a light. But a whole body, that, that's what people are looking at, enjoying the favor of all the people, it says. And daily, God is adding to the number. Why? Because it was vibrant. And it took every single person. And this is what Jesus invites us into. I want to share a quote about just a marker for us. Like, how do we know we're doing this well? And it kind of ties back to that idea of self-forgetfulness. And so this is really from C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. But because it has an older language in there, I like how Tim Keller puts it. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says that if we were to meet a truly humble person, we would never come away from meeting them thinking they were humble. They would not be always telling us they were nobody because such a person is actually self-obsessed. The thing we would remember from meeting a truly gospel person, gospel humble person, is how much they seem to be totally interested in us because the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less because we got a bigger mission than me, mine. Amen? So I want you to consider a next step for you. It's a beautiful vision. It's a compelling mission. But it takes real work. So what is your next step? Is it living into community, formation, or mission? And here's some practical next steps for you. And try to choose one perhaps that you might not normally go to. Maybe you vibe normally to community, then swing to something you may need to grow more in. For those of you who are looking to grow in community, we have small groups and new small groups starting. And so our small groups have just kicked off this month. So that could be a great place. And if you're not ready for a smaller group, we do have mid-sized communities 
like Laterine, our young adults. And so, especially for those of you who have young adults, who are young adults, we've just started, starting from this month, every second Friday night, there's a gathering. And the first one was really great. There was a lot of buzz, interaction, a lot of good relationships forming. So the next one is October 13th. If you're looking to grow in formation, maybe you're taking EHS today, it will take time. <laughs> to go through that course. There's a lot of pieces to it, but make space to really wrestle, to really look and go deeper with God and with others in that course. Or perhaps incorporate, make a decision today to be weighty. Incorporate scripture into your daily life. Start a Bible reading plan or mission. We have Alpha starting this Thursday. How exciting. What a great opportunity to bring people with questions, to wrestle and get to closer to Jesus. Have more people, new faces at the table. So if you know someone or if you are here or online and you want to, are able to join us in person, perhaps sign up for Alpha. Do you have friendships with people who do not yet know Jesus? It takes all of us and we're in very different places. I can never reach all the people you all know. I will never see them probably. But we're each where we are because God has put us there. So is there someone you could build a friendship with so that you can get to share Jesus? Not just for that end in itself, but because you care. Because of our next-gen emphasis, is there a young person perhaps near you that could really do with some mentoring? Or love. There are so many students wrestling with school, with peers, sometimes with bullying and all the social media pressure, with homes that aren't perfect. Could you be like an aunt, an uncle, older brother or sister to a young person? Or your work. Perhaps you can show up at your work as somebody sent, even to that crazy place, that crazy boss, the annoying coworkers. You know, it's a human world. It's not going to be perfect. But to show up there, if you knew you're sent, what could God be sending you there for? Not just maybe to do the work, but maybe there's more. Or maybe it is the work itself to sharpen it, to work as one sent. So consider what is your next step. This is our pathway, community, formation, mission. And it's big. And it takes all of us, and every single one of you matter. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for calling us out of darkness into your light. Thank you for redeeming us, for letting us be at the table with you, to be part of something so exciting and vibrant. Because we know that though this may stretch us, also just sitting in our safety, in our comfort zone, will not be, it'll just be dulling our senses. And we want to know that abundant life you came to give. Jesus, you did not die just to get us a ticket into heaven. You died because the life we have in you, in re receiving you, gives us life and power for every single day to the day we meet you. And it's not just for us before the world. So Holy Spirit, would you fill us as a church? Jesus, would you overwhelm us to realize why 
your cross, your sacrifice was so costly. Help us to see afresh why we are the church. Help us to extend our tables in community, to become proximate to others. Help us to wrestle deeply in our formation, to look into your scripture, puzzle and wrestle, ask questions, not just accept things. Really long for more of you. Help us to see the needs around us and not just walk by. May our hearts be wrecked. And as we do that, we know, God, that you will make us alive. And Lord, we long for that, to be a church that is alive. Lord, thank you for being with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.